Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of D. Gerb and Big Mo. Actually, it's We Got Next, our new name, guys. <laughs> we Got Next with Derek Gervin and Paul Mokeski. I'm Ricky Hampton. Hope everybody's having a great day. Guys, I thought it was, we all thought it was important to uh, take a couple of minutes and uh, take a look back at the big news of uh, uh, the other day, the firing of Steve Nash in Brooklyn and the hiring of Ime Udoka and the impact that's going to have on the net squad. Brooklyn's off to a one in five start this season. Certainly not what a team that has uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving uh, would, would, would hope to be, although it is early in the season. Uh, you guys tell me your thoughts on when you heard what went down uh, start with you, D, and, and then you uh, jump in, Mo, and I'm going to send this uh, this feed over to our uh, We Got Next page. Well, I was shocked, to be honest, um, but not in a bad way. I, I didn't think he would be coaching again, Idoka, uh, and especially not this soon. But, hey, the people behind the scenes know some things we don't know. So here he is with his new opportunity. Um I'm just hoping now these guys take advantage of it. Uh, I think part of the biggest problem is Kyrie and uh, dealing with all these other things, extracurricular activities. And so if Amy can come in and kind of curtail some of that and get the guys uh, more focused on basketball, uh, figuring out how they're going to implement Ben Simmons into this offense, then you got a team that could possibly do a lot better. But I'm skeptical right now because you still have Kyrie and – you still have Ben and you still have KD. So you have three very sensitive guys. Uh, so I'm just keeping my fingers crossed and just hope it works out. Yeah, I mean, Kyrie is Kyrie, right? Kyrie has always been Kyrie. If you expect Kyrie to be a different Kyrie, you're not in the, the – that's ridiculous because, you know, he, he uh, was part of breaking up the Cavs when he played with LeBron because he wanted his own team. Then he went to Boston with, the, with those young players that – you know, Tatum and those guys. And uh, it didn't, he didn't like it there for whatever reason. They were too young and they didn't listen to him, whatever, whatever. Then he goes to an experienced team in Brooklyn, you know, with, uh, you know, he comes with Harden and KD, two of the, some of two of the one, the best uh, offensive players ever to play this game. Uh, and uh, he did, he didn't like that either, or Harden didn't like that. Maybe Harden's not, uh, as as uh, silly as we think he is, getting the hell out of there, you know. Even though his situation in Philly isn't much better right now, but um, you know, and you know, all you know, you can say whatever you want. Like, uh, you know, I'm I'm a person, and I should be able to say what I want, and you know, express my, you know, that's all well and good, but it's not true. I mean, if you're the president of a company, you can't do that. If you're a coach of an NBA team, you can't do that. Uh, if you're the president of the United States, you can't do that usually unless, you know, what his name was in there. But, you know, you have responsibilities. And someone mentioned it today. Everything Kyrie does is for Kyrie. I have to take uh, alone time. I don't want to do the vaccination. I don't want to I don't want him to coach. Anybody can coach this team. I mean, come on. Steve Nash went into a, you know, an impossible situation. 
I mean, they had talent on the team for sure. If you look at the roster and Derek, we talk about all the time, you know, the roster looks great on paper, but you actually have to play and it has to work together and, you know, have a chemistry and, and, and that was not there, but for even what, before he even coached the game, Steve Nash, uh, Kyrie on a podcast said, we, you know, we don't really need a coach. We'll all be coaches, all coach, um, you know, KD will coach. Uh, um, Jacques Vaughn will coach. Well, guess what? Jacques Vaughn is coaching right now. And KD signed off on that, on that same show. So he went into that. Now multiply that by a hundred this summer when KD said, I will not play for, for, uh, Steve Nash and, um, uh, the, the, the general manager, I'm not going to play again. Oh, and then two months later, he talks to the owner and everything's okay. No, it wasn't. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, I'm not. You know, I know Steve Nash, but was he the right person for that job? I don't believe so from the get-go. There's other people. Uh, but was he given a chance? Not really. I mean, the you know, last year, um, you know, Kyrie uh, with the vaccine situation, uh, and then they trade uh, um, Harden in the middle of the season for Ben Simmons, Harden, one of the best players in the league, for Simmons, who c- doesn't even come into play. So you trade one of your best players for nothing. You get nothing. And and then, uh, uh, you know, so, and now he's only a shell of himself now. And then with all this outside situation, I mean, I, I, I posted this. I mean, Steve Nash is the happiest guy in the world right now. He's like, you know, get me the hell out of here. Um, you know, uh, I, you never told me this was going to happen and this was going to happen, but, um, you know, I, I think, um, uh, you know, it was a terrible situation to begin with. It got worse. Uh, Ameo Udoku is a a really good coach. He has another off-court situation he has to deal with. And, you know, uh, but he does have the chops to do it. But the one thing that bothers me is people saying, well, Steve Nash never coached before. That's true. Steve Kerr never coached before he got a head job. Doc Rivers never coached before, before he got a job. Mark Jackson never coached before, before he got a head job. So that's not a viable um, uh, reason, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know, you know, uh, Derek, you're in, you're in San Antonio and with one of the best coaches ever to coach this game, uh, a pop. I don't even know if he could coach this situation. Um I, I think if he went into this situation, the house would be cleaned out in a month or two. Um, meaning some of those guys would be gone. <laughs> hey, hey, Derek, let me let me read you this, D. Uh, this is Kevin Durant. Said uh, Durant was shocked by what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just reading that. I'm reading what <laughs> Derek, I'm reading what he said. You're always shocked when a move like this happens. Uh, uh, we didn't have a healthy team and we just didn't play well. And that's what happens in this league. Shit happens. So that doesn't take away from Steve's basketball ball IQ, how he teaches the game. I don't take, I don't think that takes away from anything. It just didn't work out. And, and there is some truth to that, isn't it, D? 
Yeah, there's some truth to it, and then there's some truth to KD is full of you know what as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you guys are you guys already know me. I'm a straight to the point point guy. So if, if I'm if, if I'm gonna have the courage to call my coach out in public, I'm gonna have the coach. I'm gonna have the nerve to go ahead and defend what I said when I get on the podium. So it kind of reminds me of Magic Johnson and the Paul Westhead. Magic, everyone, everyone knew Magic wanted him out. So when they interviewed Magic, didn't start putting on false faces. And that's the part, the only problem I have with it. If KD's going to be man enough to speak up from the beginning, be man up now. Don't start talking about it's the NBA and all that other, as he said, <laughs> BS, because that's what he's talking. Yeah. Poor Steve, he never had a chance. You did, you stated this summer. I will not play for him. What are you talking about? Come on, man. Yeah, and I, you're you're so right, Derek. I mean, if you're gonna, if you want to speak your mind, and you know, you have the right to do that to some extent. I I believe, then stand up and then admit that you know, I didn't want to play for Steve, and now he's gone, and we'll see who they bring in, and we'll see how it goes. That's what he should say. Right. Be a man about it. That's the song said back then, Ricky. Remember that song? Just be a man about it. Tony Braxton. <laughs> <laughs> now, on the flip side, we got Udoka coming in. Uh, you guys give me your thoughts on what he can do to uh, straighten this ship out. Or, you know, how, how, how do you guys see this working out? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you go this time, no one then, Derek. Well, um, number one, that's the deal's not done yet. So he's not the coach yet. I think they're still trying to finalize the deal. And if you've been around the NBA enough, you know deals can fall through at the last minute. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't think it will. Uh, one of the telling uh, situations with me is, and I'm not sure it might come into play now. If I'm Boston Celtics, uh, I, I'm pretty much telling you what you know when when they when they suspended. Uh, uh, Ameke, you know, they, they said, you know, we're not going to stop them from getting any other jobs. Well, that tells you they want you to go get another job. That's what that says. And But at the same time, now that they know a team really, really wants them, they're going to ask for something. They're going to ask for a first-round draft pick. They're going to ask for something. And uh, we don't know if that will stall the talks. I don't the – the, the way Brooklyn has traded all their draft picks – I don't even know if they have the capability of, of trading a first rounder till uh, 2028 because you're not allowed to fit. You're not allowed to trade two for back to back first rounders. So if you trade one this year, you can't trade one next year. Um, you know, you can acquire different ones. So we'll see how that works out. But, you know, what I know, I, I've, I've been in, I've coached against him somewhat when he was with the Nigerian national team and I was with Great Britain. Seemed like a really straightforward shooter. Um, you know, knows his basketball and he's, he's been under, uh, you know, pop, like we talked about, which there's nobody better to be under, um, you know, but w- what else I heard about him is he's a, he's a no nonsense guy and he's going to ask and he's going to demand and he's going to hold those players accountable. And from what I see, I know, I don't think KD likes to be held accountable. And I know Kyrie doesn't like to be held accountable. And both those guys have been able to do whatever the hell they want to do for the last couple of years, ever since they fired uh, Kenny Atkinson, uh, and who had a, kind of a good thing going, but they didn't want to play for him because he held them accountable. So I see more of a – I mean, he has uh, credibility. He has uh, knowledge. Um, he had the respect of all the Boston Celtics 
But at this point with these guys, I don't know if that's going to work. I see more of this happening, conflict, um, especially right off the bat. If he's going to come in and set the tone, which I think he needs to do, this is the way it's going to be. We need to play damn defense and we're not going to win any games. We can score with anybody, but we don't guard anybody. We can't win. And we're going to do film sessions and we're going to do drills and we're going to get this defense down. Um, Those guys aren't going to like that, especially those two. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work out because of all those things uh, Paul mentioned. But KD and Kyrie seem to be, I think sometimes they forget what this is really about. It seems like they're looking for a coach who's more of a friend as opposed to a guy that was straightening them out. And that's the thing that bothers me. I'm only going by their history, I'm not going by what people say. I'm going by what I've seen. Um, I'm hoping if Doka's the right guy, but. Will that change the way that Kyrie responds to situations when things don't go well? That would that respond? How would that affect when KD is unhappy? So those are the things. It's going to be a long process. Um, I'm going to give Adoka the benefit of the doubt. Uh, he's getting another opportunity, possibly. But here's the last thing I'm going to say. KD did mention Jock Vaughn possibly being a head coach. So now that Jock Vaughn is there, uh, I don't know how KD will feel. He's had time to sleep, <laughs> sleep on it. So it, it, depending on how him and Kyrie woke up this morning, that's what's going to decide who's the coach. Uh, it seems like Sean Marks and these guys let KD and Kyrie pretty much hold the team hostage. So we'll find yeah. out in the next few weeks uh, how this is going to play out. Now, now, guys, I, I, I said they were one and five. They're actually two and six. Two and five. Two and six. Yeah, two and, two and six. Yeah, now. Yeah. Much but, better. But, much better. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but even with that, with, with the talent on hand, how do you start the season two and six? Well, does, first of, does that conflict make yeah. its way onto the court that prominently? Well, you have that conflict, but you also have uh, Seth Curry's been hurt. Joe Harris been off and on. Um, Ben Simmons has a bad knee. So you don't, you know, what you have on your roster on paper is not what you're playing with every night. So that has an effect, but, um, you know, uh, you know, losing to, uh, Indiana at home, I think in a bad way, really that cost Steve his job. I've been in that situation before, but, uh, back to, back to your points. I mean, I've known for a long time, um, as a, as a coach, uh, players have to let let you coach them. Players have to let you coach them, and by that I mean that they have to be they have to want to listen to you. They have to you know want to do what you're going to do. And there's many ways, different ways to do that. In high school, very simple. You know, you do what I don't what I want you to do, or you're off the team. College, pretty simple. You do what I want you to do, or you're off the team. Unless you're a really really good player, then we'll figure it out. <laughs> in the NBA, that's the opposite now. And that's the problem I see with where the NBA is going. Back a few years back, we, we kind of liked the idea that the best players on the team had a say in who the coach was. Derek, you know, that was never the case before. They hired the coach and that was the coach. And you were a player and you played. Well, that's not the case anymore. And a few years back, we thought that was a kind of a good idea. You know, they're going to have to be coached by this guy, so they need to get along. 82 games, eight months is a long season. We've, we've been through it. Um, but now it's getting out of hand where, you know, the players not only are, have a big hand in who's going to be coached, they have a big hand in, in who's going to stay coach. And, uh, and this situation – 
I know for a fact that owners are not happy with what's going on now. And the collective bargaining agreement is up and it's being negotiated as we speak. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, I think it would be better um, even for the players uh, to let the coaches coach and let the front office hire those coaches. And then you guys be players and play. You're making a lot of money. However, I'm not so sure that time has passed us by in the NBA. Hey, D, if you are Udoka and and you get the job like we everybody thinks, what did you say to that team at your introductory meeting? Well, first you take accountability for your situation that you had. Um, when guys usually see that, right. that's one way. To, that's one way to get guys to buy in. Uh, he goes in and talks to them. Uh, he's sincere about the things he said. Uh, he talk about how it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Um, they, they, they have made some gross mistakes. Uh, Emi made one. Uh, the Nets have made huge ones with this team. And he just continues to keep pushing forward. Uh, I think everyone realizes now that Emi is an excellent coach. It's just getting the players to trust you. And I think uh, after a few weeks or whatever, as we move forward and uh, T.J. Warren comes back and Seth Curry comes back. I think that'll make things uh, kind of easier to deal with. And I think uh, they'll be successful as long as all these guys continue to remember what this is about. It's about doing what's best for your team and respecting the game. And if they do that, I think the Nets, uh, they can turn it around quickly. Yeah, that's exactly That's such a good point, Derek. You go into that first meeting and say, listen, I want to address my situation in Boston. This is what happened. I made a mistake, I paid for that mistake, and I'm moving on from that mistake. And now you kind of disarm the players, like, oh, okay, he, he made a mistake, and he's admitting it, and now he's moving on. And then you go right into what Derek said. Now, here's how we're going to fix well, – there's been mistakes made here on both sides as players and coaches and front office, but we're going to move on from those mistakes, and here's how we're going to do it. And I think that's how he could really get those guys – um, un, un, under and listening to him, and he ha has a respect. I mean, he, he was in the NBA Finals last year. Uh, as far as I know, the Nets weren't. So, uh, you know, that gives him respect. The problem he has, the biggest problem, well, not the biggest, there's a lot of big problems. As you, if you called Steve Nash right now, he could probably list you about 50 big problems there are there. But one of the big problems that he's going to have to deal with, and I don't know if you could fix, is a guy named Ben Simmons. The guy is uh, mentally out of it. He's really, uh, you know, you said it uh, last week, Derek. He's he's shooting airball layups. Um, he's afraid to go to the free throw line, and now he has a bad knee. Um, you know, what do you do with that? Do you just move on and put someone else in that spot and see whatever happens with him? And then you're going to be in a Westbrook situation where Ben Simmons comes off the bench, which maybe could be better for him, but – that's one. Once he gets their trust, and Derek just pointed out a great way to do it yeah. uh, and a truthful way to do it because guys, players know bullshit. They see right through it. They know if you know what you're talking about. They know if you know they if you're sincere or you're just feeding them another line that they've heard a hundred times. These guys have been around before. Uh, they know that. And if you talk from the heart in their first meeting, then you can lay down a good groundwork. And they do have the talent to do some damage. And it is really early. I mean, there's only eight games. They play 82, uh, you know, and so, you know, there is hope there, but they got a lot of hurdles to go over. Yeah. I, I tell you that. See, that's why I love talking hoops with you guys. Cause D I never even thought about what you would have to do 
on his end to take accountability for his uh, situation. That, that makes uh, perfect sense to me. Just a couple of more uh, minutes, fellas. Your, <clears throat> your, your thoughts on that Eastern Division uh, uh, with Philly and, and and what's going on there? You know, they I think they won the three straight. They started off very slow, but it seems like they're turning thing, turning the corner a little bit. Your thoughts on them? Oh, man. Every time I have to talk about this team, the team that drafted me, uh, they're doing they're, they're doing better. Uh, I don't know. I just hope they can sustain it. I'm still confused because one week is like Harden is the score. The next week he's a distributor. And that's kind of what they went through last year. And it's confusing for everyone. Where, how at what point are you going to decide? Is Tyrese Maxey going to become the second option? Or is Harden going to be the second option? That, that's similar like with Golden State and Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole. You got to figure this stuff out as you move forward. And until Philly does that, they're going to continue to struggle. For me, I say that Embiid is the first option. Uh, Tyrese Maxey is the second. And Harden could be the third option. Because when you have a third option like Harden, a guy that he can create his opportunities to score when necessary. But he can also keep everyone involved. So I'm hoping that we see the James Harden as more of an 18-point, uh, 10 assists, 8-rebound guy as opposed to the 30-point guy. Uh, and I think if they do that, that makes Philadelphia a team that will be very formidable uh, going down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, um, accepting that role for Harden will be difficult, but I think that is a good role for him. And uh, you didn't even mention your guy, Tobias Harris, who – was playing not lights out like a year ago when he's kind of the forgotten man on that roster too. Cause Maxi is really coming forward and proven, you know, you know, he's a big time player in the NBA. Um, there's gotta be a way to get all these guys on the same page because actually you look at uh, Maxi, Tobias Harris, Harden and bead. Um, who am I missing? BJ Tucker's the other starter. Yeah. So, you're looking at, you know, guys that can play. They they can all handle the ball. They can all shoot. They can all score. They can all defend when they want to be. So you got to find a way, you know, that to move the ball enough. I mean, when the Warriors played with KD or back in the day, you know, they had unbelievable talent, but they moved the ball around. So one night, um, you know, Clay might score 40, the next night Curry, and the next night KD. Uh, they have to find that kind of blend because yeah. all those guys we mentioned, except PJ Tucker, and, and you got Melton. Point. Yeah, I'll yeah, put Melton. Okay, Melton. Yeah, yeah, that he can play, and all those guys yeah. are capable. And you need to tell, hey, listen, uh, we're gonna play, and it's gonna be fun, and we're gonna play together. And some night it's gonna be your night, uh, and beat. Some night it's Harden. Some night Tobias. And don't worry about it because guess what? Your nights we have eighty-two games. So. Your night's going to come around 20 times this year. So, you know, and we will win because, uh, and I don't know, um, you know, uh, Derek, you, you've talked about Doc Rivers and, and uh, you know, uh, that he's kind of lost it. Um, I hope not, but you might be right. Um, you know, because by now with that roster, you, you should be, 
you should be popping a little bit. You Doc, know? And, Doc, Doc is not good at adjustments, Paul, the last I've seen in the last few years. I love him as a person, but the yeah. last few years, it seemed like his adjustments have not been great in the playoffs. Right. You know what? He, he used to be the best at that. He used to be yeah. the best. Maybe yeah. he's be, maybe he's he's become like me, the old man, get off my yard guy. Is <laughs> <laughs> Doc in trouble? Could he? Can is there? Okay, we lost Nash eight games into the season. Is there anybody else that could be on the hot seat this early? I, I told you. If, I still say if they don't win, that that Doc is on the hot seat. We've trusted the process long enough. That process stuff is worn out. Uh, and I know they gave him a new contract, but when they give you these new contracts, they giving you this contract, uh, understanding and making sure you understand that you have to produce. And these guys make enough. These owners have enough money. They don't want to bite the bullet, so to say, on $40 million. But if Doc's not winning, someone else is going to be coming in. You got Nash available now. Uh, you still got Quinn Snyder out there. You got guys that are available. So if, if he doesn't win, I say he's no different than anyone else. He'll be shown the door. Yeah, I think he, he's on the hot seat for sure. Um, I don't think uh, – I don't know who the Philly ownership is. I'm, I'm not sure about that. But to me, they don't seem like uh, the Warriors ownership, uh, Dallas Mavericks with Mark Cuban, um, uh, the owner in with the Clippers, those billionaires that own those teams – can absorb that 40 million really quickly. I don't think Philly ownership is in that, in, in that group. Maybe they are, um, but he's on the hot seat. He's turned it around lately, but uh, you know, the other difference between let's say Steve Nash and Brooklyn is uh, Daryl Morey and doc rivers have a really solid relationship. Um, and uh, you know, that when you're in the NBA, if you're G GM won't go to bat for you as head coach, you're in a, you're in trouble. You're in big trouble, um, you know, and I mean, not not like, oh, hey, we support our guy. No, that's that's BS. When some when a GM says that you're about to get fired. If an athletic director says that in college, you're about to get fired. But a guy that's going to go into Mark Cuban's off, office and say, hey, listen, so and so is doing what he's supposed to do. I'm buying him 100 percent. We need to stick with them. Um, you know, that's not what happened in New Jersey. I think that will happen in Philly to an extent. But, you know, Philly fans and. And their expectations, there's only so far that will take them where they might have to bite the bullet. But uh, I got to figure that Doc Rivers has been around enough where he can figure it out um, and maybe let those guys play on his lawn for a while. <laughs> Ricky, the, the reason I say that that I think they wouldn't mind, they would, uh, they would lose that money is because when they hired Doc, when they gave him this new extension, it's not like, it's not like his career was ascending. He's already last three or four years, his game, his coaching has been uh, questioned a lot and they still took a chance. So they're basically, I look at this as they're taking a gamble. We hope it works, but if it doesn't work, they'll make a move. Um, I hope it works because I don't want to see anyone lose their job, but that depends on how Embiid and these guys show up every day uh, at practice. Are they going to be mentally ready? If usually if the team is ready, the coach is not on the hot seat. So it's not just Doc. It's with his players have his back. And what I mean by that is showing up and doing their jobs consistently. If they do that, his job will not be on the line in the first place. And here's the other thing about money that people out there need to pay attention to. Uh, if they make a move, they owe Doc $40 million. 
And if they bring in any kind of coach, any kind of coach, it's going to cost them another 20 to 30 million. So you're talking about it could be upwards towards a hundred million dollars to make that move. So, you know, that's got a way, that's got a way on them too. Wow. Well, guys, we, uh, Hey, we just want to hit this one quick. And, and, and Mo, you, you said the other night on the show, you just had a feeling about the, the Nets making this move. I mean, the way it's all fallen, I've been around the NBA. I've been in those rooms. Uh, you know, I've been in the coaches' meeting rooms. I've been in a draft room. I've been in the ownership meeting. I've been in those rooms, and I know how that goes. And with all the stuff that was going on, uh, Steve Nash's inexperience as a head coach, um, the way his players are. I mean, let's say it, when I met Steve Nash, it was in Dallas, and we had Steve Nash, Dirk Nowinski, and Mike Finley, three of the most solid guys you ever met. Uh, and we had Don, uh, Don, Don, uh, Coach Nelson as our as the coach. And there was still some turmoil with Mark Cuban in there, but we all had each other's back. But I knew, you know, with all the turmoil that went on this summer, the way they're playing, um, the way they are the lowest season ticket fan base in the league. Brooklyn. The, the Brooklyn Nets? Are the yeah. lowest season ticket fan base in the league. Lower than Oklahoma City. Lower than all. They are the lowest season ticket wow. fan base in the league. And that has uh, an effect on you. So I knew the writing was on the wall. And, and you know what happens here? I'll tell you, too, an insight, right? So uh, Steve Nash, actually, they won the game the game uh, right before he got fired, right? They won that game. Yeah. So uh, they're getting ready to go on a five. They're gonna, they played the Bulls last night, and they lost. And now they're going to go on a five-game road trip against good teams, Right. So they, they, they let Steve go right after the win. And, uh, you know, they're going to have, well, we made a change. You know, we're, we're in turmoil right now. So, you know, those five games, whatever, whatever, and then we're going to get rolling. So they did that for strategy too. But you could see this coming a mile away with the way it was set up. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping, um, you know, Jacques Vaughn, He's a, he's rock chalk Jayhawk for me, and uh, I talked to him this summer at a, a KU thing at this at the summer league here in Las Vegas, and just a good guy. Been a head coach in Orlando, um, you know, but he knows he's not stupid though. He knows he's just warming up that seat for somebody like Udoku to come in. But um, you know, I, I you can see this coming a mile away, in, in my opinion. Ricky, they said after the last win, uh, the general manager, Sean Marks, uh, said after the last win that the players, like during the game, uh, they didn't acknowledge Steve Nash. And then after the game, they didn't acknowledge Steve Nash. And he said that was it for him. That was the moment that uh, put everything on the table, uh, that second win. He said he said out of his own mouth, the players didn't acknowledge him. And then I'll right. say this quickly. This is when I thought KD was gone. I mean, Nash was gone. Honestly, people might think I'm just acting silly. KD hugged Steve Nash uh, one of the games recently. They had a little hug and a meeting of the minds and all that. The fake smiles, I call it. I knew then. <laughs> oh, I'll just keep it real, man. I knew then that Nash was in trouble because we talked about it the week prior. Yeah. And then when you get when KD gave him the kiss of death, hey, <laughs> The, the hug, that's what it was to me, the kiss of death. You're hugging the guy, you're acting like you like him, but you've already made it clear that you have no respect for the man. And those are the people I have problems with. You called him out in public, then you're going to go put on the facade <laughs> in front that's, of the public. That's the godfather kiss, right? <laughs> godfather yeah, that's the kiss godfather. on the cheek, right? And I mean, yeah. you know, 
that you know that could have had something, but the owners playing that out is bullshit. Come on, man, because they didn't. Like, I, I don't. They, this was coming a long ways away, and you know how I knew it was weighing on Steve Nash. Steve Nash is one of the most mellow guys you you know, and uh, he, he's not a coach that's up and standing up and screaming all the time and and doing all those antics. He will get up when he's needed, but um, a couple games ago. Uh, he got a technical and he might have got kicked out of the game. He got ejected. Yeah. He got and when he went crazy and got, players had to hold him back, and you know that's kind of him. His all his pension, all that stuff boiled oh, over and and went out the window on that game. Yeah. And also, um, you, you know he, you know he saw the players holding him back somewhat or whatever. But that's all. You know, one of the reporters uh, said, you know, after the game, he ran and after um, uh, that last that last game, he saw Steve Nash with his daughters in in the hallway at 1130 or 12 o'clock at night, getting ready to go home and, uh, you know, said hi and and stopped and talked to him for a minute. And uh, he had a different look on his face. That means he had gotten fired. And actually and actually he was pretty happy about it. You know, I, yeah. I I don't know if I'm allowed to do this, but uh, I sent around a you know Steve Nash's press press uh, release after he was fired was thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate the ownership group and the players and the front office. Uh, I wish them well, and, and I hope they turn it around this year. Um, you know, good good luck, and that's what his press release was. That's not what he wanted to say. You know, so here, here's what he wanted. Here's what he wanted to say. You want to hear what he wanted to say? He wanted to say, uh, listen, uh, I took this job two years ago. Uh, no one told me the shit storm I was coming into, the shit show <laughs> I was coming into. No one told me that Kyrie wouldn't play because of vaccination. No one told me that you would trade my my one of my best players for Ben Simmons, who was just a shell of himself, and he wouldn't even play when you traded for him. No one told me that the, the players would revolt against me in the summer and say they didn't want me. So no one told me about all this, but uh, I'm happy to go back to my regular life, get away from this BS, and uh, mm -hmm. good luck for the rest of you. Peace out. <laughs> That's his real press release. Oh, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys, we're, we're going to get out of here, but... Uh... Chris Ramsey's checked in with us, and Chris had a uh, a question that uh, for you guys to to, to uh, answer. If they uh, if they rest guys so much during the year, how do you get them to step up once they get to the playoffs? With the you know the whole thing which you have with low management that goes on now. Wow, that's a good question. It's kind of hard because you you're not really um, getting any cohesion, and that's where the problem comes in. When you got guys in and out of the lineup, uh, it's kind of like my team, uh, the Clippers. You know, I'm, my my favorite player, Kawhi, is out, and he's going to be out the next four, five games, could be longer. So it's hard to develop chemistry, but you have to keep believing, uh, keep working on your game. You're making sure you're strengthening up as much as your game as you can. And then you just got to have a meeting of the minds. All the guys get together and you just have to really be bought in. If everybody's bought in, it makes situations go better. I don't care if it's AAU, high school, college, or the pros. You just got to have guys that trust each other. And when you do that, your team, um, usually that's a winning team. Yeah, I mean, it, 
load management has been going on for a long time. Forever, it was just, forever. it was just done differently and it was done with strategy. So, you know, it was never done this early in the season. There's it's no, not much, Paul, it's injury management now. Yeah, exactly. There's another word for it. <laughs> knee, knee stress, man, whatever. But back in the day, um, you know, you would play 60, 70 games, whatever it is, 60 games and fight for your playoff spot and everything. And then towards the end of the season, Coaches would look at the look at the schedule and look at uh, the the uh, the the seating and say, okay, we we got home court, so now we can rest Sidney Moncrie for this game or a Jack Sigma for the next game, uh, you know, a little bit or play him a lot less, maybe play him fifteen minutes instead of thirty five. So that was load management how it was done back then. Even back then, uh, say uh, uh, Jack Sigma, you know, we're we're playing on the road in Cleveland. We already got our fourth spot locked up. We're going to play Philly in the playoffs. So Jack's not going to play tonight, but he still got in uniform and sat on the bench, you know, because they weren't all these people. Why is he on the bench? Why is he playing? Jack, Jack, are you okay? Are you mad at all this? What's going on? That was never a, a, a consideration back then where it is now. Uh, but it was, it was done then. Uh, but it was done in a way that you have to be strategic about it. Cause like Derek says, you know, resting people at the end of the season, you know, get their bodies right and their injuries right is really smart, but resting them and costing yourselves chemistry or, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, a rhythm or momentum is very, very dangerous. You know, just ask the uh, Astros right now how that, that momentum is going for them now that Philly beat them. Let's go, Philly! Seven, <laughs> so, seven you know, zip. so now there, there, there was – you know, there was that, but now guess who controls load management players, players, you know, so I'm not playing. I am, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not going to play. So I'm going to sit on the bench in my, you know, t-shirt and I can wear a hat if I want backwards, whatever the hell I want, or I can go sit up in the booth. So that's the difference. But there, to answer your question, it's very, very touchy subject to be able to, you got to rest guy. Like we needed Back in the day with Milwaukee, we needed to rest Sidney Moncrief because he took a beating and his body was beat up at the end of the season. But we, we you can't rest him enough where he, he loses his rhythm. And then you lose the rhythm with the team and your momentum. So there's a, a give and take now. Fine, now, it's like, now it's like, I'm just not, I'm not going to play this game or that game. <laughs> it's like, that's dangerous to me. We didn't, have those, we didn't have those issues like that back then. Now you got it today. You look at Zion and all these guys. That's a different kind of low management. So... And Paul's way is when you're sitting out players intentionally because you know they need to rest, uh, but they're still in uniform. Uh, but now this is just guys getting hurt. So and, it's hard to develop chemistry that way. So I, all I know, just all you can do is try to do the best you can with what you have. And, and you know what? These guys stay healthy. You know what used to happen back in the day? The league stepped in because uh, uh, teams were doing that and they weren't playing some of their stars during for games and the league didn't want that to happen because people pay like if you're paying to go see Michael Jordan play and now he's load managing he never did but if he was load managing and didn't play that game all those people that paid aren't going to see him play the league had a problem with that so if you're if, that's when it tw changed over if your players are healthy you gotta play them but then if I'm a coach I get to play whoever I want so that's when that happened but now what's happened is it's just like we talked about KD and Kyrie having control over their roster and now their coach. That's what's happening with this load management. Now the players are running it, not the coaches or front office. So. Yeah.
Hey, well, we're going to get out of here. Uh, thank you, Chris, for your questions and uh, comments. Hey, but when we get breaking news like this, we 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 will step in and uh, and give you give you our thoughts on what is going down. That's the great thing about this uh, platform. You can catch this uh, episode of We Got Next with uh, Derek Bourbon and Paul Mokeski. You can catch it on Believe. Uh, our, uh, believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, or any place where you get your podcast. Just look for We Got Next with Derek Durbin and Paul Mokeski. Uh, we're going to get out of here. We'll be back Monday night. Thank this you, is, D. Thank you, Paul. Yes, this sir. Is, this is why I love working with you guys, because we, we talked about this last night, and we came on the air, and we did a quality show. That's why I love working with you guys. Absolutely. Same here. All right. Have a great day, gentlemen. Have a great day. You got to love you guys, man. Take it easy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.